It is the LDS Live podcast on Tuesday, December 15th, 2020. I'm Kevin Williams. Today I am solo, but that's okay because I have some things to discuss with you. Those things are two talks given that stuck out to my mind at the Christmas devotional last week. Now I know that I said that I was going to do this last week, but things got in the way. So I am a week late, but we'll deal with it. And uh, you know what? If you want to go back and listen to the Christmas devotional, you certainly can. There's a a link in the show notes. So the two toxins stuck out of my mind. By the way, for those of you that don't know, the LDS Church, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, does a Christmas devotional the first Sunday of each December, and I believe that this started in 1984. It's a good way to get into the Christmas spirit. I've been to a lot of Christmas devotionals, uh, at least virtually, when they were broadcasted by satellite to snake centers, and I'm sure they still are. It just so happens that ever since I moved to Salt Lake, I didn't have to go anymore to these Christmas devotionals because they were broadcasted on BYU TV a few hours later than the actual broadcast by satellite. And I don't even know when I attended. I think the last time I attended a Christmas devotional or tried to was on my mission in Canada. Other than that, I do not know when I attended a Christmas devotional or the last time I attended. I know it was when I lived in Boise, but I cannot tell you when I attended. It was that long ago. But nonetheless, we, you know, as a family, would watch them when I moved to Salt Lake my senior year of high school. And and even though I'm living on my own, I watched them on BYU TV, whatever. So two toxins stuck out of my mind. The first one by Sister Rebecca L. Craven, also known as Becky Craven, the second counselor in the Young Women's Presidency. She discussed some very interesting things. She talked about how her first Christmas, when she was six years old, she was on the top bunk. Uh, She and her sister shared a bunk bed. She was on the top bunk. And I think she'd just barely gotten to sleep, and Santa Claus came in the room. Well, she heard a bunch of bells and then knocking at her bedroom door, and it opened, and Santa Claus was there. And Santa Claus said, do you want to come out? And she happily, cheerfully said yes. And so she climbed down the ladder of her bunk bed and went out to the living room. Her brother and her mother were there, but not her dad, not her father. And she asked, where's my father at? And... So I, I guess uh, he was coming in. Santa Claus then asked Sister Craven, have you been good this Christmas? And Becky obviously cheerfully said yes. Then Becky uh, proceeded to show Santa Claus where the cookies and milk were, and he drank them, and then Becky went back to sleep. A few hours later, she woke up, and had a great Christmas. In the uh, meanwhile, Becky's husband's grandfather had a different Christmas in the 1800s. 
Becky's grandfather lived on a farm in Mexico in a colony down there. And when he woke up in the 1800s on Christmas Day, he went out to the, where the sheep were, and they were underneath a pen. And he noticed that the sheep had a baby. Or, well, the sheep, uh, Nellie, had a baby. Uh, not the rapper Nellie, but the sheep Nellie. So he ran back to the house as fast as he could, told his mom and everybody there, Nellie had a baby. They all went out, and sure enough, she saw Nellie had a baby. Actually, she had two lambs. Every Christmas preceding that one, a sheep always had a lamb. Then she talked about Jesus Christ being the Lamb of God. And Jesus Christ was wrapped in swaddling clothes by Mary. I did not know this, by the way, but the word swaddle means to hold tight. I didn't know that. Well, that's very appropriate. Swaddling clothes, they were obviously tight clothes. Mary held him. And then Sister Craven went on to mention that her granddaughter was born not too long ago and how she was touched when her mother... swaddled her and comforted her and those kind of things. Then she asked a question, who have you swaddled? I thought about this. Other than my niece, I don't think I swaddled anybody, but I can tell you a story. When I was in third and fourth grade, there was a kid named Sam. That's not his real name, by the way, but we'll call him Sam. He was picked on an awful lot. In fact, even more so in fourth grade than in third grade. Third grade, I wasn't aware that he was being picked on. Yeah, I knew some people made fun of him because of this and that, but it wasn't nearly as bad as my fourth grade year. And this kid and I were friends off and on. And when I wasn't good friends with him, he played with his sister. Now, there's nothing wrong with a kid playing with their sister. But at recess time, most kids play with their own kind. At least when I went to school, most males played with males. Most females played with females. Yes, you'd get some intermingling here and there. But for the most part... Males and females played with each other and did male and female things. For example, males, when I was in fourth grade, played basketball. Females would jump rope and do jump rope rhymes and those kind of things. Me, I would play on the monkey bars. There are plenty of male and females doing that as well. But you know what I'm talking about. Most kids want to play with their kind. So here Sam was playing with his sister, and who did he get talked about? Also, during my third and fourth grade year, Sam did not. Sam's parents did not make much money. So what ended up happening is Sam wore clothes that were from the Salvation Army. Remember, I lived in Ontario. We were not near a Deseret industry. 
And the furthest one away was in Boise. But again, his parents didn't make much money. Boise was an hour away from my hometown. So it was probably just easier for them, his parents, to buy from the Salvation Army. So they did. And you know how kids are, the uh, boys, the 10-year-old boys, they like to run and slide on the grass. Well, that results in holes in their pants. And unfortunately, his parents didn't have enough money to go out and buy pants every six months or whatever for this kid. So he ended up getting picked on for that, for wearing cheap clothes and buying, you know, his parents bought them from the Salvation Army and the list went on. He didn't have, his house wasn't dumpy, but you could tell that when you went into his house, his house had very old equipment, like old drum sets, old radios. They didn't even have air conditioning in their house. It had, it, in the summertime, it was brutal. Well, I know because I went there in the summertime probably three or four times. And it was bad when you slept in their house in the summer. It was brutally hot. Even if the windows were open, because you think about July, July, August, a good chunk of June, it doesn't matter what the temperature is outside because it's so hot, even at night. And your house was heating up so much during the day. By nighttime, it doesn't matter what the temperature was, unless it was 50, 60 degrees, and it did not get down that low where I lived in Oregon and Idaho. It was hard to sleep in his house. I know, because I, I spent a few nights with Sam. But here's what I want to get at. Because his parents didn't make much money, because he didn't wear fashionable clothes, he got picked on an awful lot. Now, the reason why he probably didn't get picked on so much in third grade is because I was his best friend in third grade. And most of the time, once we declared that we were best friends, we played with each other. So nobody really could pick on him except to say Sam's parents bought him cheap clothes and Sam wears cheap clothes and Sam's an oddball. Other than that, they couldn't really do much because him and I were playing together and I was well-liked in third grade. Let's fast forward to fourth grade. That's when things really got bad for Sam because depending on when in fourth grade, we weren't friends and then we were and those kind of things. And when we weren't, that's when he got picked on the most, I noticed. Because that's when he went to go play with his sister at recess instead of playing... Uh, instead of playing with us. When we became good friends again, Sam played with me. We'd play on the playground. We'd play with other people. We'd talk about some very interesting conversations. So back to Becky Craven's question, who have you swaddled? That's what comes to mind when that question was asked. President Nelson gave a talk about... Well, actually, his talk started out with a person, a little girl named Claire Crosby. And this was kind of cool. Actually, President Nelson played a part of her singing Silent Night on a recorder. It must have been a recorder or a computer or something, but it was a recording 
of Claire singing Silent Night. Then he, uh, President Nelson went on and discussed that it didn't end at Christ's birth. It went beyond that. He bought immortality to the world. He bought the atonement. He was a great teacher. He, bought, he, he died for us. And President Nelson mentioned that. Then he asked a very interesting question. Why was Jesus Christ born in Bethlehem? Because Bethlehem is the house of bread. Which I knew, but I'd kind of forgotten about that until President Nelson asked, what is Bethlehem? Then I remembered, oh, it's the house of bread. Then he talked about the star that was leading to where the Savior was when he was born. And the wise men followed and bought him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. By the way, frankincense is still one of the absolute best oils out there. I use it on my feet sometimes because I have foot issues, just so you know. I just bring this up because people say, oh, frankincense was the greatest oil. Still is. One of them. Anyway, they gave that to him, and King Herod wanted to kill all the, well, ordered, put an order that all the firstborn, all the babies under two years old would be killed because he wanted Christ killed, and that's when Joseph went to Nazareth. I want to get back to this star, uh, this, the star going east, though. Because in the Book of Mormon, it talks about a night will be as day. In 3 Nephi chapter 1, it talks all about it. It talks about how the night will be as day and how Samuel, the Lamanite, was getting persecuted because the Savior hasn't come and he did predict earlier within five years a night will be as day. So he went off and prayed, and the Lord said, Look up and be in good cheer, for tomorrow the Savior will be born, or something to that effect. I'm paraphrasing it. I don't have the actual scripture in front of me. But it was something along those lines. Then a star was shining day and night, day, uh, day and night. It never went out. So in other words, it was light for 24 to 48 hours. And it makes me wonder what else happened around the world during that time when the Savior was born. What happened in Billings, Montana, where I'm based out of? What happened in Salt Lake City, Utah? How about Oregon, Idaho, British Columbia, Washington State, places I've been, Nova Scotia, Canada? It'd be interesting to know what happened around the whole entire world, just as I think it would be interesting to know what all happened, other than an earthquake, around the world when the Savior passed away, when he died on the cross for our sins. And something else happened that President Nelson mentioned that I want to bring to home, or close to home. 
President Nelson mentioned in his talk that his family in November said, we're ready for Christmas. His response was, great. That means that we can celebrate Christmas in November. That means we can spend, that means we can spend the rest of the time thinking about the Savior. It reminded me of Christmas of 94. Now, I don't want to get too much into this because I've already gotten into it on another podcast. Just go back earlier this year, the best or the worst Christmas, but the best one for me. Let me just briefly mention, though, that in 1993 was probably one of the worst Christmases I had ever had. And it was because my dad was laid off. We, I knew we weren't getting a good Christmas like I was accustomed to. Yes, we had presents, but they weren't exactly what I wanted. Although, I did get uh, a pretty uh, two, cool, two cool things, a micro cassette recorder and a Sony Walkman that had AM and FM. It was small enough to fit in your pocket. Those were pretty cool. But... We didn't get most of what we wanted, and I wasn't angry, more sad. But in the Christmas of 1994, I learned from that Christmas of 93, and I started thinking more about the Savior. In fact, I didn't tell you this in the last podcast, but in the Christmas Eve of 1994, I gave a speech to my family talking about how blessed we were and how I learned a lot about the Christmas of 93. Well, I stayed up pretty late that night, not because I was anticipating presents, but because I was reflecting a lot on the Christmas of 1993. I was also in deep thought about the speech that I gave to my family. And I was also thinking about the Savior, what he did for us, what it was like when he was born. Those thoughts were going through my mind. I didn't get to sleep till about one, probably even two in the morning. And I knew something was different when I woke up. How did I know this? Because previously... Until 1993, because we knew that we weren't getting a big Christmas, but previous to 93, I'd get up really early, and for a while my brother and I shared a bedroom, and he said, oh, Santa Claus came, you can get up. Oh. But then when I had my own bedroom, I'd just wake up and just think about Christmas presents, what I received, and couldn't wait to open the Christmas presents to find out what I had. Well, guess what? 1994 came. You know what? My dad woke me up. Usually I'd be waking my parents up or going into their room and talking to them and then having them decide, okay, it's time to go open presents. This time, my dad woke me up. Isn't that ironic? So back to President Nelson's point. It was good 
that they were ready for Christmas in November so they could think about the Savior, just as I spent a lot of Christmas Eves thinking about the Savior. By the way, for the record, uh, I like getting presents. Don't misunderstand. I like getting presents, but I just don't think about what's in there, what's in that box anymore until I'm actually opening it up because I learned it's best to think about the Savior. And let me mention one more thing about President Nelson's talk. He said that he went on a trip with an old, with a general authority, a previous general, well, with a member of the, I guess President Nelson was not a member of the Quorum of the Twelve at that point, from what I remember in his talk, or at least that's what he made it sound like. But he went on a trip with one of the members of Mark E. Peterson. Mark E. Peterson was battling a huge battle with cancer, and he could barely eat anything, and he was in excruciating pain. And President Nelson spent a good chunk of the night comforting Marky Peterson. By the way, this would be, in fact, Marky Peterson's last trip in this mortal life. Marky Peterson had to give a talk the next day in front of a bunch of people. And he, re he started reciting scriptures. And then he set his notes down and said, do you really know what it's like to hunger and to be hungering and thirsting? And he said, I know. And he said that this drew him closer to the Savior. The Savior is very aware of what we're going through. And we can turn to the Savior for peace. We can turn to the Savior for repentance. The atonement is real. It was a very powerful talk, probably the most powerful talk I'd ever heard at a Christmas devotional. You know, I don't remember half, I don't remember hardly anything about any Christmas devotionals I've heard out there. They just never really stuck in my mind. I, I remember one talk given back in 1991 by President Monson. But I didn't remember any other Christmas devotional talks. This one stood out for me, probably because I was listening to the devotionals, or to, to this devotional over and over and over to get ready for this podcast. But I would invite you to go listen to it. Like I said, there's a, neat, there's a link in the show notes. I will be on here next week. I'm sure that there will be something going on within the LDS community. Well, I know there will be. There will be something to talk about. Then I will take a few weeks off for the Christmas holiday, and I'll be back shortly after the 1st of January. In the meantime, I will talk to you all later, specifically next week.